it's like agony. Like the first time I went in, I lost my voice. I was just like, it's like the, it's like the devil comes out of you. Welcome to Talk the Line. I'm Jen Long. This season, we're talking to artists about their passions during lockdown. And on this episode, I'm joined by one half of a formidable and visceral rock duo, Mike Kerr from Raw Blood. Hi, Mike from Raw Blood. Thank you so much for joining us on Talk the Line. And um, I think we're talking about well-being today and kind of how you yeah. yeah jumped into that during this strange lockdown period. I guess it's been nearly a year now, actually. I know, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, like, where were you yeah. like, 12 months ago? 12 months ago, I was here and I was writing, writing the album between my house and there's a small studio that I use which is about yeah like five minute drive from the house and it's tucked away in the country so I kind of I guess a year ago yeah I was writing songs here and then driving up there and finishing them and just kind of yeah working on the record yeah and like how have you found it how have you been like how did you kind of find it initially when everything kicked in to be honest with you I found it at first it was really frustrating because we were in the middle of recording the record and yeah, I guess a lot had been working up and building up to that moment in time. And so suddenly to have to like pack up, like drop tools and go home, I was like, Oh no, like, <laughs> um, uh, so at first it was frustrating, but looking back and I've spoken about this before in previous interviews, it was actually really helpful for our creative process because it allowed us to, it was so stop, stop start. It, um, yeah, it gave, it gave us these like pockets of time to go and reflect on what we were making. And, and, um, and then when it was safe to go and work together, we would go and record. By then, we would have had written more songs. So it kind of, it was very reminiscent of the process of making our first record, where it was done in, in kind of batches, rather than going in and recording for like 30 days and then only really having clarity on what you've made a year later. So I found it quite creatively stimulating. Also, I really um, thrive on boredom. I think when I get bored, that's when I start making my own fun. And that's when fun stuff starts happening. And I think um, I'll just find a new hobby when I get bored. <laughs> if, I don't, if I don't write a song, I'll, I'll do something creative, you know. So is um, like, has so- your passion for well-being and kind of, self-care and did you kind of go sober during lockdown was it like a kind of like one month thing or just you know not being on tour you thought I'll take a break and it's turned into a longer thing is this something that's kind of come out of just the boredom and stasis that comes from not being able to go to the studio and being on tour no this is something that began way before I guess like a year before and I'm so grateful it did happen before then because I felt like so prepared for it you know my sobriety didn't come out of boredom but that that really came out of necessity (laughs) and then my kind of it's so funny like we're talking about self-care because anyone who hasn't hung around with me since I got sober (laughs) would think is this like a joke was (laughs) why 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 is Mike talking about self-care but it's something it's a newly discovered thing you know for me and it came with sobriety and I get. I guess with sobriety as well comes boredom because I was so used to living my life drinking and partying and 
being in a band and living that kind of life that when you take that away you're suddenly like the days are a lot longer get up a lot earlier <laughs> you can you can feel and sense everything in in sometimes quite a very brutal way and yeah suddenly there's a lot more time to feel so along comes boredom very quickly and yeah I found a lot a lot of new new things to do with my life you know mm. that, are, that are good for me <laughs> rather than that bad for me you know yeah so how long have you been sober now nearly two years I think in like 20 something days it'll be two years oh, congratulations thank you yeah and like how do you think like being locked down and not you know, being writing a record and then being locked down and not being out on the road on tour going to like all the different parties and events do you think that has helped in some way or do you think you're just like so stuck in this now that you're like you'd have been strong irregardless I definitely think it's helped because I've I still go out and stuff I, I, it was quite important to me to to remain kind of social you know because that's I didn't want to become a complete numb. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess mentally I feel like I feel like much more prepared. And and with what's going on now, I'm just so grateful that I'm not drinking. And I notice a lot of people posting on social media about how much they're drinking in lockdown. And it's kind of like on the surface, it's like, way we're all getting drunk. But I'm, I, I know that it's not that and I'm so grateful that I'm there's nothing more depressing to me right now that I can think of for me to be at home just like drinking <laughs> during a lockdown I'm like oh man that's so dark like yeah <laughs> stuck into us and I think you know with what's going on now and people's mental health just in the bin is deteriorating and people are not in a good place you know I'm just really grateful that I don't have that dragging me down anymore. Mm, yeah, I guess like definitely at the start, during the kind of first lockdown, I was definitely drinking a lot of red wine. And like, it was just yeah. so handy as an escape. because It was just so depressing looking at the news. And it was just so, also just so addictive. Like I couldn't stop looking at the news. And so just having something mm -hmm. to just, like distract was just so helpful. Mm -hmm. But then as this has kind of gone on and you're like, ah, oh, that wasn't just like a couple of months. Like at the start, I legit thought that I was going to be like back out on planes to the States by like May. I was like, yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, I'll still make that yeah. festival. No, I think it'd be all right by the summer. I'm sure. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be like flu season. It'll be fine by the summer. So I was like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to just like jump in and indulge now, you know, because it'll be over soon. And then I think as it's kind of like gone on, it's like, oh no, this is this is our life for for a while, and like it's probably not yeah, good yeah. a bottle of wine every night. Yeah, it's like get comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, what were the kind of things then that you've discovered during lockdown in that kind of um, under the umbrella of self care? So there's a lot of things that I was doing already, but I guess they became more frequent, and I relied on them a lot more during lockdown so one of them would be sea swimming and I have a friend who goes in religiously every every single day and he always he's been trying to get me in for years but I'd be so hungover and I'd be like and I just didn't get it I was like why on earth would I want to do that you know and um it's obviously like very very cold and when I say sea swimming you know I mean it in Brighton where it's in the winter, I guess the water gets to like six degrees. 
seven degrees is is not pleasant and um but again yeah with sobriety i ended up like going <laughs> come on, God, again probably just out of boredom come on then I'll, I'll give it a go and like most things that are really good for you the first two or three times are just awful and then you start kind of reaping the benefits later it's obviously become a lot more popular now with people like Wim Hof and um, people are kind of waking up to, to it and it's there's nothing new about it it's, it's very like ancient really yeah. um, what we should all be doing it makes me feel amazing it's like the greatest cup of coffee you could ever have in your life it's, <laughs> it's 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 everything about it it's like it's starting your day with something truly horrific you know like that's how the day like and we go at like before the sun's up so the alarm's off and you're already like oh man this I don't want to get up now and then you're like walking down to the beach it's still dark and it's like howling wind it's like raining oh. and we meet I meet him down there and then we just strip off into like yeah, just swim shorts, no wetsuit. Sometimes there's like still like ice on the stones. <laughs> oh, there's like stones on the beach. It's very rare that it's like calm water. Mm. And at this point you're like laughing because it's just like, what what the fuck are we doing? Like there's people like walking their dogs and they're like, got like, yeah, coat, hat, scarf. And they're watching you like, who are these mad guys? It's like agony. Like the first time I went in, I lost my voice. I was just like, it's like it's like the devil comes out of you. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a bit of a weakling, but I was like howling. It's just it becomes like about panic control as well. You know, there's something in your mind that's like tells you you're gonna die. Like, this isn't this isn't good. We're gonna die. Get out. And yeah, you sort of learn to calm yourself in that in that environment, which is I think a really amazing skill to have. You know. So it's like this panic control and then you get out and yeah, I just, you just feel great. And you, I know I've started my day doing something that I really, really didn't want to do. And I think that itself in a practice is an amazing thing to kind of carry into the day because most things that are good for you, you don't really innately want to do, <laughs> you know, but once you've done them, you feel great. It's funny as well, you know, so after doing this for a while, my friend Harry, he took me down to the swim club in Brighton and loads, loads of people do it, but we're the youngest ones there by far. One guy's like 70. He goes in and they're just like, morning. And you're just like, oh my goodness. Like, we're, we suck. <laughs> we're so weak. You know, these guys are amazing. Yeah. They just do it every day. And um, I got chatting to one of the guys down there. He told me that he had um, a trip to the dentist. And for whatever reason, they couldn't use, they couldn't numb the pain. They had to just go straight in and do this operation on his tooth. And he told us that he just, the whole time, he just thought of the sea and he thought of what it's like when he goes in the sea in the morning and it got him through the whole kind of operation. We were just like, this is a, this is like insane, you know. I feel like you're, you could subconsciously develop these like coping mechanisms and these like, yeah, it, mm. I could talk for the next 25 minutes about it. From like a distance, it just looks like, why on earth did you do that? But once you get into it, once you get into it, you, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I still don't want to go in. There's not a time I want to go in. I'll get a text being like, we're going in tomorrow for my friend. And I'm like, yeah, see you down there. I, I never want to do it. But that is the kind of reason to do it, you know. Yeah, there's been like news reports and stories about, because so many people have been doing it now because people are bored, they're stuck at home, they're looking for new ways to exercise without like group sports or gyms being open. So loads of people have turned to like sea swimming or open water swimming. But then you do have that group of like, the older people who've been doing it for years and it's their thing and suddenly like there's this like real like clash 
of the different kind of demographics where there's these young people like coming down and they've got their fancy like gowns thermal gowns and stuff and like all these like, yeah, yeah, yeah. really like old school like so used to it pro open swimmers just hate that's it. it yeah they're taking up all the spaces on the bench they've all got they're not doing it properly they've got these like fancy gowns that like, is so funny yeah <laughs> it's like when a kind of underground band becomes really really popular and all the fans that have been there since day one are just like, <laughs> <laughs> you guys weren't there, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The other thing I was going to ask is like, how long do you swim for? Like, how long can you? It depends on um, the time of year. So right now is, is kind of the coldest it gets. It probably gets a little bit, it'll probably get a little bit colder over the next month. Personally, I, I can't stay in longer than five minutes. It just it just gets worse and worse. It's like, it's agony. But then obviously as it gets warmer, you stay in longer. So yeah, that's been like one of like many things that I've been doing that's been horrific, but ultimately good for me and kind of filled that boredom void. And also, yeah, just practice this art of like not destroying myself, you know, because I do think self-care is an art. I think maybe it's just some people, but I feel like it's very difficult to look after yourself. I feel like I once heard someone talk about how if your pet got ill and you you went to the vet and they said, look, you need to give your dog or whatever this medication on at this certain time. And they, you would, you would do it, you know, to the T you'd be so precise about it. And, but for some reason, when, when it's ourselves you know we seem to just after day three you're like ah it's going away I'll be better I'll be fine you just sort of it's very difficult to like do things that are good for you you know that's the most profound thing I've had change in my life is that yeah I've started doing things that are really good for me and 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 really practicing that art form of like not hitting the self-destruct button Mm, yeah I was just gonna say I remember like um going to this monkey sanctuary like a couple of years ago and they had like all these like orangutans that have been rescued and they were like telling us about one of them and they were like oh she was raised in South Africa by this woman who like had her as a child and would like walk her around like on two legs and just like treat her like a child and they were like just to like give you context of this like the last meal that she was given before we rescued her like her goodbye meal was a McDonald's and like everyone is just like (gasps) like shocked and you're like we're like we're like practically the same dna like we're like one percent different from these animals (laughs) (laughs) and all the kids are just like there with like cans of coke and like bags of crisps and you're like yeah 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 there's a disconnect here (laughs) there is yeah there is and um yeah it's difficult running is another thing that again i'm amazed i'm sat here talking to you about but that became another kind of thing in my life that came out of nowhere really Mm. I was a bit like Forrest Gump I just went out and started and then it kind of developed and developed and uh, that I tell you what that was something that in lockdown I think really like became a thing it was like after like four miles I was like I'd come in and be like well I'm gonna do six and then my girlfriend said like the most dangerous thing you can say to me was just like oh you're not gonna be able to do that she was like, don't do that. You're not going to be able to do that. And I was like, I'm going to do half a marathon. She was like, no, don't be stupid. You've got a train. You can't just go and do it. And I was like, right. <laughs> I've decided I'm going to go do it. So I went, I came back in. It was like, I think I did it in like a terrible time. But I, I came back. I was like, oh, I've done half a marathon. And then I was like, right, I'm going to do a half marathon. Like 
every Sunday. This is this is what I'm going to do. So every Sunday I'll start doing half a marathon. And then I'll just come up with these mad ideas. I was like, I'm going to do like, don't be super random. One was like, I'm going to do nine miles every day for seven days in a row. And then it just started getting crazy. And I just like was obsessed with it. And then inevitably I was like reading up about marathons. I was like, I'm just going to do a marathon. So yeah, in the middle of lockdown, I just like on my own, just did a full blown marathon. (laughs) Yeah. And it was incredible. It was wild. And you never ran before like March? No. No. Like, I'm just yeah, I'm so surprised nuts. that you didn't like give yourself shin splints or something like that. I mean, I guess I trained, but I didn't. I wouldn't recommend you do that. You should really like you could really injure yourself. But I was doing so much prior, you know, like fitness wise, and um, but yeah, that was a cool thing. Again, that was like something I never thought I would do mm. ever. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Do you know how like when you're on tour and you're playing in bands and you're like going out to shows and it's like more is more you know you're just like bring more rider like give me more of everything like I want bigger crowds Mm -hmm. I want like and then you kind of do this switch and then you're just like I want to run as many miles as possible I want to do all this like extra stuff like give it to me like you've just gone like full pelt into well-being which is like obviously a great way to channel that enthusiasm definitely yeah yeah I think um I clearly have an appetite for kind of excess and pushing my own limit, you know? Yeah, I guess I've had to just change the direction of that, you know? That can go really badly, you know, if you start picking the wrong things. And that's part of a a much deeper process. But yeah, I'm just really grateful that I've found these new things I can do that kind of satisfy that appetite, that kind of madness, you know? Yeah. and um it's still dark you know that's what's that's what's funny you know it's still there's still something quite dark and fucked up about getting up in the morning and going to sea and like and doing that but that's like because darkness is attractive you know Mm. it may not just and I know that's not just me there is something sexy I think about things that are fucked up and dark you know but it doesn't have to be like that it can be like things that are good for you you know yeah, I think sure. that's why I love the sea thing so much because it feels like it feels like a sort of bender. It feels like something like I'm still seeing the sun come up in the morning. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm still in that like I'm still in that slightly weird place. But Just yeah, in a way I enjoy it. Like pounding your kidneys and liver. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And what about like mental health? That side of well-being. Have you kind of done any like meditation or any kind of like mindfulness stuff? Yeah, yeah. I've um I'm still trying to like really give it a go. I think I lack some discipline in that kind of because I I know it's something you have to do kind of every day to start feeling like the lot of proper benefits of it. And it's funny when I started it, I've got the kind of waking up back with Sam Harris. Um <laughs> like a couple of lessons in, he said something I just started laughing because he was like, You've probably realized at this stage your mind is complete chaos. And I just started laughing. I was like, yes, my mind is like, I'm so easily distracted, you know? So it's, I find it difficult, but I feel like, I know they're not the same, but I do feel like the running for me was the closest I've come to kind of really being like lost in that like meditative state, particularly on like the lot when I'm doing long runs, I feel like I get into a trance-like state. I don't go music either. I don't 
I don't take my phone. I don't. I don't take anything. I, I like to be a complete disconnect from the world and, and just being like lost in my own thoughts. You know, you and you realize how crazy your mind is, and like it's weird. Like especially on the really long runs, you just suddenly have memories, not necessarily good or bad, just like random memories come back to me, and then I really clear. And then you're just like, where on earth has that been? Where has that come from? And Sometimes I'll have like, I find myself having an argument with someone. I feel like a fictitious argument with someone about something that hasn't even happened, but I'll catch myself <laughs> being like, well, what are you doing? Like, what's, and, you know, and, so, and then suddenly I have these amazing memories. And then I'll, it's just like a crazy fucking roller coaster. Yeah. But yeah, I guess the, the meditation side of it is where you realize you haven't been thinking about anything. Mm. You've just been like floating along, you know, and like for like, even if it's just for like a minute. 10 yeah. minutes you, you, yeah it's that it's amazing yeah yeah there's definitely been times when I've been like out running like longer distances where you just suddenly come to and you're like oh my god like how did I get like <laughs> what route did I take again like I can't remember I'm just like which way yeah do you go? <laughs> yeah so lost. and I think as well it's like it's that voice of encouragement in your head you know that doesn't really get a platform it's a lot harder to listen to and I realise I really rely on that. I I need both. (laughs) I definitely like the carrot and the stick, but they need to be, yeah, that voice of kind of positivity needs to be like much louder in my own head, you know. And the the times that I I realise what I I need that most, you know, I need to kind of listen to that voice, you know. How do you think you're going to like take all of this back into the world when when the new album comes out and you like go back on tour and you're doing like, loads of press and you know you're on the road and we're healthy eating and exercise they just don't really go hand in hand with touring like do you have any kind of you thought about that yeah well about six months into sobriety we we went on the road for about two months and did we played Reading and Leeds and we rock on sand and, and did some some smaller shows and yeah that was like the first time I'd been on the road sober and and kind of lots of people were like how are you going to do it? <laughs> I remember that was the kind of catchphrase. Man, how are you going to do it? And it was funny. It was, I was like reading books to like about people like Ross Edgley who'd like swam around Great Britain <laughs> and like David Goggins who had like ran 200 mile marathons, you know, and done these, people have done insane shit. And then people were like, man, how are you going to do a tour and not drink? <laughs> I was like, I think it's going to be all right. But, not to underplay it because it, it, it was also just a huge shift but I just had to like go in pretty aggressively with it I like it was kind of amazing because usually you know we'd go play the show and then go out and party and I wouldn't see any of the city or place we were in and this time I had all the, uh, I just felt so I felt a little bit guilty if I'm honest with you because I felt like I'd, I'd missed out on a lot of experience of travel that comes with touring to be fair, sometimes you don't get that time because you're just doing press all day. But I felt, I just thought it was amazing. I got to go and see, I mean, I was going to like art galleries and going like, just like going around the whole city, like getting a bike or whatever. And just, or I'd find something like mad that was local and cathedrals and just like really like experiencing the place, you know, rather than just seeing it at nighttime. And then it's funny, like the, the, I bought, I essentially bought a gym on the, on the road with me. I had just this huge trunk just full of like, I had a boxing bag, I had weights, I had everything. We'd get rolled into the venue. And when the opening band were like sound checking, 
yeah I'd be like getting it all out and I'll just do like an hour and a half of like horrific <laughs> training <laughs> pretty sure and, like every, all like the local yeah all the local crew would be looking at me like I was an absolute psycho Oh my god and like I hate people like looking at me do that as well but again I was just like this is so important to me I've got to do it I don't care mm. and I've got a personal trainer at home so I would like FaceTime him and like he would keep me in check and I'll just yeah the, the exercise really kept me on the straight and narrow he actually when we played the shows in the UK he came on the road with us and I would do boxing after the show because I think when you play when you play a gig, when you come off stage, you're so charged, the adrenaline in your body, you know, you, I feel like anyone, if someone wanted to come and start a fight with me, like what, no matter what size, I feel, you feel like you could win. You just feel so energized and well, I don't anyway, I feel so oh, yeah. like alpha. I feel like I could go straight and fight, you know. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not going to do that because that's horrific. But I, uh, <laughs> but, but I think what happened before as you'd come off stage and you'd go into the dressing room you know and there'd be all this booze and it'd be like that energy gets put into that you know which is really damn which is really bad and um so this time around yeah he I literally would come off stage I'd get straight into like training gear and put like wrap up and put like gloves on and we'd go and do like boxing and it would be incredible (laughs) so yeah it was just about like adapting really and the experience of playing on stage sober is amazing. I mean, it's terror. At first, it was terrifying. It was so HD and so like there's nowhere to hide. But I just had these like amazing feelings of like gratitude. Really, I, <laughs> I I've said this before, but it was, it was kind of like being woken up out of a coma, and someone was like, "Your name's Mike, and you're in a rock band called Royal Blood, and you're the singer." And uh, these are the songs and you're on in five minutes. Um, best of luck. You know, it was like, I just, I realized I hadn't been very present before, you know, a lot of shows I just don't fucking remember, you know. So to go out and play like massive gigs and just be in the room and experiencing that energy of the crowd and, and being extremely present is just incredible. Just amazing. Well, congratulations. Cause you look great. You look Thanks. You look very healthy for someone who's still in lockdown. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, yeah. That's a, I guess that is a sort of nice side product of uh, looking after yourself as well. <laughs> you know, you don't look ill all the time. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Of course, of course. Royal Blood's new album, Typhoons, is out on April 30th. Original music by Bright Light, Bright Light. Produced by Paul Bridgewater. Thanks for listening. See you next time.